All right, well, good morning, church. Hey, listen, if you're new here, my name is Will Franco, and I serve as one of the elders and pastors here at the church, and so I want to begin here by saying hello to you. I also want to say hello to our online viewers and to our Kyraville campus. And uh, listen, if you're new here this morning, I think you have arrived on a perfect Sunday because we are in the second part of our three-week series entitled Prodigal. And for those of you who were here last week, we began the series by looking at the prodigal son, the the younger brother. And this morning, we are continuing the series by looking at uh, the elder brother, the the religious one. So what I want to do, if you are able, I would love for you to stand for the reading of God's word. And we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 15. Um, And we're going to be reading the second half of the parable, uh, the part that pertains to the older brother for the sake of time, Luke chapter uh, 15, verses 25 through 32. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. It says, now, his older son, everyone say his older son. son. Everyone say his older son. son. Was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Everyone say safe and sound. sound. We're going to come back to that later on. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It's the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come before you this morning, and uh, Lord, I pray as an elder brother for the elder brothers who are in the room. Uh, Lord, the reality is that being in the South, um, there's probably way more elder brothers than there are prodigals. Um, I know that all of us have a little bit of both, but I know that for me, the older I've gotten, the more more elder brother-ish I have become. And so, Father, I pray that today you would help me to preach from that position, uh, a position of humility, a position of, of brokenness. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me put my stones down and that I wouldn't be throwing anything at anybody uh, because the reality is that I need the gospel just as much as everyone else here does. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help me to really describe this individual for who he is. And as we see who he is, I I pray that we would get a better understanding of who we are, but even more importantly, that we would get an even better understanding of who you are. And so we pray that you would be with us now. We ask it and we beg it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, you may be seated. All right, so this morning, we are going to be looking at the elder brother, and what I want to do this morning is we're going to look at this last section of the parable under two headings. We are going to look at the heart of the brother, and then after we look at the heart of the brother, we are going to conclude by looking at the heart of the father. So the heart of the brother and the heart of the father. So this morning, let's begin by looking at the heart of the brother. Now, what I want to do before we jump in um, is before we look at his, before we diagnose his internal condition, uh, uh, what I want to do is I want to describe for you his external conduct, all right? So we're going to spend a lot of time looking at his internal condition, but before we do that, I want to quickly describe to you his external conduct. Here's the thing that we need to understand about this brother. If we know anything about the ancient Near East is that this brother, in many ways, was the model son. This brother, in many ways, was the perfect child. I would argue that many of us, if if we truly understand what's happening here in this story, I would argue that many of us would love to have him as a son. He was the model son. He was the perfect child. And he did everything correctly. Everyone in the community would have been jealous of the father because of this incredible elder brother. But there's one thing, 
Well, there's many things. But there's one main thing that this elder brother got totally and completely wrong. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because if you forget everything else I say, this is the most important thing. And this is pretty early on, so that's saying a lot. (laughs) The problem with the elder brother is that he confused proximity with intimacy. I'm going to say that again, because I know somebody missed it. Sorry, my watch is bothering me here. I'm going to take this off. Sorry about that. The problem with, now I have no time, so I can preach as long as I want. Anyways, um, so, so the, problem, the problem with the older brother, the biggest issue with him is that he confused, get this, proximity with intimacy, okay? And we're going to see that throughout the passage. He confused proximity with the father with intimacy with the father. And those two things are radically different things. So now that we've looked at his external conduct a little bit, what I want to do for the rest of this point is I want to look at his internal condition. I want to diagnose him. And here's what I want you to do. As I work my way through this, the one thing I would love for you to do is as I am diagnosing him, I would love for you to diagnose yourself. Because what I've discovered this week as I was wrestling and and working my way through this, this, this passage is that I am much more like the elder brother than what I thought. And so as I look at these internal conditions, I want you to be diagnosing yourself, to be asking those questions of yourself. So there's three symptoms that the elder brother displays, three symptoms that if we're not careful, we can display as well. The first symptom is his pride. The second symptom is his anger. And his third symptom is his entitlement. Pride, anger, entitlement. So let's begin with the first symptom. The first symptom that he displays, and that if we're not careful, we can display as elder brothers, is pride. And what's interesting about the older brother is that he displays his pride in two very specific ways. He, 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 display, he displays his pride in how he treats his brother, but also in how he views himself. Here's what we know about this elder brother. He goes up to the father, and when he starts to describe his brother... He doesn't describe him as his brother. He says this, son of yours. He's so superior to him that he refuses to acknowledge him as his brother. Hey, this son of yours. The other thing I want you to see, another way that we see his pride, is that he describes his brother, get this, based on his activity, not on his identity. He describes his brother based on his activity, not his identity. But here's what's so funny about this, guys. That's the same thing that you and I are guilty of as well. We, we as elder brothers can so quickly judge other believers, other people who are on a different journey by their activity instead of their identity. But you know what's fascinating to me? I came across this quote that I had heard before, but I was reminded of this week, that, that the, 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 the enemy, let me put this, the father, he calls you by your name instead of by your sin. The enemy, even though he knows your name, he calls you by your sin instead of calling you by your name. So the father knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. The enemy knows your name, but calls you by your sin. But what's crazy is that when we behave like elder brothers and we start judging people based on their activity, not their identity, we actually are acting more like the father of lies than like the heavenly father. But man, I I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of this. I do it all the time. You know, one of the things that, that I came across this week, Tim Keller in his book on the prodigal, he says something just really interesting about the elder brother. He, the way that he describes the elder brother, he says that, in other words, he, he says, the, the son of yours who, who has slept with prostitutes. And the way he says it, it, it's almost as if this is something that me as the elder brother would never be capable of. I am better than my brother because what he did is something that I would never do. And one of the things that Keller says in his book that really hit me is that we are most tempted to judge people on the sins that we see ourselves not committing. Okay, so so let me give you an example. 
I am more likely to forgive a sin than I see myself being capable of committing. So if someone cuts me off in traffic, I, 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 over time, I, I, I can see myself forgiving that person because I can do that to someone else, right? But whenever there's a sin that you cannot forgive, what you're actually saying is that you would never do that thing. The sins that you are least likely to forgive are the ones that you least see yourself committing. And so he sees himself as better than his brother because he's like, I would never, ever, under any circumstances, do what he did. And so if you're sitting here today and there's someone who you haven't forgiven, if you're sitting here today and there's someone who you are holding bitterness and resentment towards, it might be pride. It might be that you see yourself, I would, I, I would never do what they did. That's fine if you think that. That's not true. And, and, and it's a symptom of elder brotherness. But the other thing I need you to see about the elder brother is that not only can he not forgive, it, he has 20-20 vision when it comes to his brother's sin, and he's completely blind when it comes to his sin. 20-20 vision when it comes to what he's doing, and completely blind when it comes to what his brother's doing, completely blind when it comes to what he's doing. I would argue that the reason why, part of the reason why he can't see his brother's speck is because he has a, a two-by-four in his eye. It's hard to see when you got a, a two-by-four in your eye. Right? He cannot see his, his brother's sin, but he, he can see his brother's sin, but he cannot see his own. One of the mistakes that the elder brother makes that I would argue you and I make all the time is that he, he is convinced that the definition of sin, that sin can only be seen by external action. Oh, see, I know what sin is. It's when someone does something wrong with their external action. But what we see in this passage is that sin is not just external action. It can also be an internal attitude. His, his external action was on point. He was above reproach when it came to external action. But when it came to his internal attitude, he was just as sinful and just as distant as the prodigal. But for us, it's very hard to see that. His definition of sin was only half right. He had the external action part, but not the internal attitude part. You know, one of the things that this passage reveals to me, and I hope it could, now I could share it with you, is that if we really want to follow Jesus, if we really want to go into the, the festivities, into the feast, not only must we repent for our rebellion, but we must also repent for our religion. You, you, to, 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 in order to truly be in relationship with the Father, and that's initially when you first come to him, if you haven't met him yet, or even continually on a daily basis, you not only have to repent of your rebellion, you also have to repent of your religion. You not only have to repent for the bad stuff you've done, you also have to repent for the good stuff you've done for the wrong reasons. That's the issue. And that's why this, 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 this story, it kind of messes everything up, right? It kind of messes with your paradigm about what it means to follow Jesus. And here's the thing, in, in, in the north where I'm from, there's a lot of, there's, there's elder brothers here and there. But in the south, it's all about religion. It's all about doing the right thing regardless of the reason. As a matter of fact, I would argue that many of us are raising elder brothers. And we say to our kids, hey, listen, listen, listen. You make sure to be, be nice. Make sure to be respectful because you don't want to be like those people over there. Feeding into their pride. Make sure, honey, make sure you do the right thing. Make sure you check the box. You know the thing that, that breaks my heart and it convicts me if I'm being honest? that if, if I'm being totally honest with you right now, there's a part of me that would be completely satisfied if in 20 years from now, my daughters were just elder brothers who weren't embarrassing me. That just shows you how pervasive the elder brother attitude is. Here's the thing. On, on, on the surface, the, the, the two brothers look very different. But, but I would argue that actually they were the same exact person. 
They, 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 they're, they're, they were motivated by the same exact things. Think about this. Think about this. He, he, when, when push comes to shove, he gets an opportunity to reveal who he is, and he starts talking to the father crazy, just as disrespectful as his younger brother was at the beginning of the story. Okay? So think about why they're the same person. They both had a very low view of the father. They both wanted the father's resources. They both wanted the father to die. And they both just couldn't wait to have their own freedom and control and money. The only difference between one and the other is that one avoided the father with his badness and the other avoided the father with his goodness. One broke all the rules and the other one kept it, all the rules. Essentially, they were both heading in the same destination towards the same destination. They wanted the same thing. The only difference was, difference was is that one was more patient than the other. One was doing the long game and the other one was doing the short game. So, so think about this. This is why it's so ridiculous when elder brothers judge prodigals. They want the same thing. They're just going about it in a different way. So it's almost as if, let's say we were all going to uh, the bridge over by the, by the river. But, but one group decides to take the expressway and the other group decides to take the side roads. Just because it took you longer to get there doesn't mean you're not headed in the same direction and going to the same place. So the elder brother is judging the younger brother because the younger brother took the expressway to what he wanted, and he's taking the side roads. But they're the same exact person. There is no difference between the two. And so here's how, how Tim Keller puts it in his book. He says, Neither son loved the father for himself. They both were using the father for their own self-centered ends. Rather than loving, enjoying, and serving him for his own sake, this means, listen to this, his own sake, this means that you can rebel against God and be alienated from him either by breaking his rules or by keeping all of them diligently. It's a shocking message Careful obedience to God's law may serve as a strategy for rebelling against God. One of the most effective ways to avoid Jesus is to not sin. If you don't sin, you don't need a savior. That's the danger. That's the problem. And let me say one more thing before I move on. And I, I, I need to say this for somebody. One of the things that prodigals can do, so if you're sitting here today and you're more in the prodigal camp, you're, you're trying to, you know, fix your life, you haven't been the religious type, you haven't been the, uh, 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 the person that's been checking all the boxes, one of the things that the prodigals might be tempted to do, if you're not careful, is you can actually start to judge the older brother the way the older brother has been judging you. And get this, you can start being self-righteous about the self-righteous. And you can start being an elder brother towards elder brothers. And that's one of the things that I struggle with. I, I find myself in my journey, in my walk with Jesus, I swing. I, I would love to say that I'm one or the other, but if I'm honest, I, in any given day, I can swing back and forth between the two. I can be a prodigal that runs away and just does whatever I want and tries to look for love out in the distant land. And then when I feel bad about that, I swing back and I try to do something really religious and read my Bible and pray or do something nice, right? But what, I, what I've noticed is that I, I, I can be very, because I'm so big on grace and I'm always trying to preach grace, I, I, I've noticed that I can be very elder brother towards elder brothers, even though I am an elder brother. It's so weird. I can be very self-righteous towards the self-righteous, even though I'm self-righteous. And so I just need you to know, if you're a prodigal here today, this doesn't take you off the hook, because you might be guilty of the very same thing that the elder brother is doing. But again, like I said earlier, don't be like Satan. You might know their sin, but you should call them by their name, and not vice versa. So the first symptom of an elder brother is pride. The, the second symptom uh, of an elder brother is anger. And this one to me was fascinating. 
Because it says here in the passage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it here for you. It, it, it says it specifically when you look at uh, he, 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 verse 28, but he was angry. Now, now, the word there, angry, right? It can seem like he was frustrated or he was pouty. No, no, no. The, the, the word there, anger or angry, it means to be enraged. It means to lose it. It means to be furious. He snaps. He is extremely angry when he sees what the father does. Now, now here's the thing. I would argue that the reason why the elder brother is angry in the, in, in the parable is because the Pharisees are angry in the audience. Now, remember, remember what I brought up last week. There's two groups of people that are listening to this parable. It's the tax collectors and sinners who are represented by the prodigal, and it's the Pharisees and religious leaders who are represented by the elder brother. One of the mistakes that we can make when we hear this sermon or this, this parable is we can assume that when, when, the, when the younger brother comes home, there's a, everyone's crying in the audience. There's a violin playing in the background. It's, 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 it's swelling and building. And then he comes home and they embrace and it's this beautiful moment. No, 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 no. Those were not the emotions that people were, were feeling in the audience. The, the Pharisees would have been livid. They would have been outraged. They would have been furious. They would have been beside themselves. And so they're angry in the audience, and the elder brother is angry in the story. He is angry. And we see his anger in a few ways. We see his anger in his speech and how he talks to the father, but we also see his anger in how he stands because he, never in the passage do we see him being touched by the father. With the prodigal, the father embraces him. He, he allows the father to get nowhere near him when they're talking. So you see this deep-seated anger. He is livid. Now, here, here's, here's the thing. I would argue that there's a couple reasons why he's so angry, and I don't actually blame him for either. The, the first reason why he's angry is because if you look at the passage, the party gets going pretty quick, Right? Because he's out in the field. He hasn't even come back from the field yet, and the party's already gone. And so it's like the father had everything ready, right? The, 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 the son gets there. He's like, look, bro, go take a shower. Go get dressed. Get the DJ. Get the strobe lights. Get the disco ball. This thing's popping. <laughs> right? It's, it's a party. And I don't know why. I was telling my wife, this is how my brain works. I'm sitting there in front of my laptop, and I'm like, what would this party have been like, right? Like, he, he, it says that there was music and dancing. And I don't know why this is the song that came to mind, but, but one, one, of my, one, of my, uh, one of my songs back in the day was a song by Faith Evans. Um, not Faith Hill, okay, not country music. I can't stand country music. Um, uh, Faith Evans um, is this song. It was called, uh, it was like, I never knew there was a love like this before. And the beat's like, dun 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 I don't know why I think that's a song that's playing in the party. Like. And so he's walking up, and there's a party up on the hill, and the house is popping, and the strobe lights, and people are walking in. There's a bouncer, you know? And, and the DJ's like, when I say prodigal, you say son, prodigal son, prodigal son. It's popping. Listen, if I, get, if, I, if I come back to that, the party gets popping, it's, it gets lit that fast, I don't blame him for getting angry. And then you see the dude wearing your robe and your ring, because it's all yours now, right? That would get me really, really angry. So he's outside, and he's pouting, and he's, he's bothered, he's enraged, and his brother's inside doing the, the, that fisherman thing where they, they cast you, and he's like... I'd be mad too. Why is nobody hooking me? You know, like bring real me in. Right? So, 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 so the first reason why he's angry is because the party gets popping right away. But, but the other reason why he gets angry, think about this, is because imagine your whole life you've been playing this game and you're winning by a lot. 
And then all of a sudden, in a moment, your father decides to change the rules. And you go from winning by a lot after years of work to being equal again to your brother who's done nothing. And so in many ways, he's like that parable of the workers that Jesus tells. The, the, the guy goes out, and he's, he hires a whole bunch of people at 9, at 10, at 12, and at 5 o'clock. And then he has the audacity to, to, to pay everyone the same wage that he promised. And the people that started at 9, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? I've been working all day. You're going to give the person that just showed up at 5 the same amount you gave me, and I've been working since 9? And, 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 and the, the owner essentially says, my money, last time I checked. But I don't blame him. That's why, get this, prodigals find the gospel so appealing and elder brothers find the gospel so appalling. Prodigals find it appealing because you don't bring anything to the table and elder brothers find it appalling because you don't bring anything to the table. And everything I've been doing for all these years means nothing. And we're all equal at the foot of the cross. That can either be very appealing or very appalling, depending on who you are. What's interesting, though, is that he gets very angry, right? He gets enraged. But what I find fascinating is that he doesn't get angry because uh, God's glory is being attacked or God's kingdom is being attacked or God's will isn't being done. No, no, no. He gets angry because his glory and his kingdom and his will is not being done. Listen, I would argue, I don't know all of you, but I would argue that 98.99999% of the time that you get angry is not because your, uh, God's glory has been threatened or God's kingdom has been threatened or God's will hasn't been done. It's because your glory, your kingdom, and your will hasn't been done. And so what we see, again, is that we are much more like the elder brother than we think. Now, here's the thing. It almost seems as if he was this very calm, peaceful person, and then all of a sudden, he just flies off a handle, off the handle. Like he's, like he's never struggled with anger in his life, and then all of a sudden, it just shows up, okay? But here's the thing. What I would argue is that he was always an angry person. The only difference is, is that he had an opportunity to show it. Dr. Ed Welsh, in his book on anger, an awesome book, and he's one of my favorite authors, he talks about the two types of anger. He says there's cold anger and there's hot anger. Funny enough, and we're going to preach on this at some point, a sermon on anger, the people who struggle with cold anger don't think they're angry people. But almost always, they're married to hot anger people. And they're both struggling with anger, and they don't even know it. But that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> Here's what he describes cold anger as. Here's some of the words. Cold anger is seen as silent treatment, withdrawal, indifference, cold shoulder, controlling, detached, keeping score, criticizing, sarcasm, grumbling, complaining, defensive, frustrated, irritable, superior, gossip. So, he was struggling with cold anger his whole life because that's what elder brothers do. But then what happens is, this moment, he, he, he's done wearing the mask. He's done performing, and all of a sudden, he lets his real self come out. He snaps, and this is the anger that he has, hot anger. Hot anger is, the words that describe hot anger are jealousy, wrath, war, murder, quarrels, explosive, rage, envy, Hate, vengeful, attack, win, violence, oppressive, abuse. So he was always angry, cold anger. He just finally had an opportunity to show it, hot anger. Listen, if you are an elder brother like me, anger is one of your sins of choice, whether you knew it or not. Whether you knew it or not not. One of the, one of the other things that, that Keller says that I just found so, I don't know if it was encouraging or convicting. It was probably a little bit of both. 
But he says, here's the thing. Because you do struggle with anger if you're an elder brother, your, your, your anger flows in two directions. It either flows towards God outwardly or it flows towards yourself inwardly. So get this. When things go wrong and you feel like you've been checking all the boxes and meeting all the standards, when things go wrong, you get angry at God. When you, go, you know you're an elder brother when suffering gets you angry, when a change of plans gets you bothered. And you say things like, how dare you? After everything I've done, after how I've served, after all these years of giving you all these, after scratching your back, you can't scratch my back? So if you're doing things right, then your anger manifests itself as anger towards God. I hate thee, Keller says. I hate thee. But if you're an elder brother and you're not doing things right, and you're, you're not reading your Bible, and you're not serving, and you, you, you feel like you're not on your game, and things go wrong, your anger is not towards God. Your anger is towards yourself. And you have this self-loathing and this disappointment in yourself. Like, I failed, and it's my fault. This is all my fault, because it's all up to you. So Keller says, it's either I hate thee or I hate me. But anger will always tell you if you are an elder brother or not. So the first symptom is pride. The second symptom is anger. And then thirdly, the final symptom of an elder brother, final way that we see his heart is in his entitlement. This brother was very entitled. He was absolutely convinced that he deserved everything. It was his robe. It was his ring. And those are my sandals. Those don't even fit you. Here's the thing. The problem with entitlement, one of the ways you know if you're an elder brother is if you don't have gratitude. Elder brothers are very unthankful people. There's no gratitude. Your prayer life has no gratitude in it. You, you know why? Because when you're convinced you're earning it, and God gives you something good, that's not a gift, that's a paycheck. You know what I've never done? I've never gotten a check from one of my employers and ran into the finance office and said, thank you so much for that paycheck. Oh my gosh, I am blown away by what you just paid me. No, because I work for it. Because I earned it. There's no gratitude because I work for it. When, when you are an elder brother, and you feel like you deserve everything, and God gives you something, it's duh. You don't, you thank people for gifts. You don't thank them for a salary. There's no gratitude. There's no gratitude. So, so, so here what happens is, if things go as planned, it's what you expected, because God's just doing his part. He's your business partner. I did my part, you do yours now. Right? But if things don't go as expected, that's where the anger comes up. How dare you? After everything I've done, who do you think you are? That's what an elder brother does. You know, I, I am convinced that the reason why he can't go into the actual party is because he was already at a party, a pity party. Party of one. Only one person invited. A lot of us can't go into the actual party because we're too busy having a pity party. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The essence of sin, according to Genesis 3, is man trying to replace God. That is the essence of sin. It is self. Instead of God-centeredness, it is self-centeredness. But here's what's so insidious about religion. Religion doesn't remove self-centeredness. It feeds it. That's why religion can't be the solution, because you're still focused on yourself. And you're obeying God in order to get something from God. That's why, get this, there's only two types of elder brothers. Christians who act like elder brothers or elder brothers who act like Christians. See, y'all not even hearing me, man. I, I'm up here talking to myself, man. 
So only two types of elder brothers. Christians who act like elder brothers or elder brothers who act like Christians. The question is, how do you figure out which is which? Because the problem with an elder brother is that they sit in the same row as you. They, they put money in the same plate as you. Uh, they, they take the same notes as you. Uh, they, 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 uh, uh, they, they, they come to church as much as you. They serve as much as you. How do you know the difference? Well, the way you tell is not by what they do, but why they do it. It's not the what, it's the why. See, a real Christian says, I'm going to obey God because I'm already loved. An elder brother says, I'm going to obey God in order to get his love. So one says, I am loved, so I will obey. And the other one says, I will obey so I can be loved. That's the difference. Entitlement. I would argue, this will be the last thing I say about, and I move to the, the, the final point, that the elder brother is further from God than the younger brother. Here's why. Because Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark that we are to repent and believe. The problem is, is that if Jesus came to make sinners saints, what do you do when you don't think you're a sinner? How are you going to make me a saint? I'm already a saint. You came to heal the sick? Well, that's not me. I would argue that an elder brother is actually further from the father than the younger brother. It's a dangerous place to be. Listen, you can die in the distant land or you can die on the front porch. Either way, you're not getting in. Because there's a difference between proximity and intimacy. So that's the heart of the brother. What I want to do here as we conclude this morning is I want to look at the heart of the father. See, see, the thing is, is just like last week, the father right now is expected to go out and either kick his son out of the family, slap him across the face. He's definitely not even supposed to go out. Leave him out there, pout him. So we just spent the last few minutes looking at the heart of the brother, but what I want, what I want you to see here is I want you to see the heart of the father. Guys, the heart of the father is ridiculous. But here's the first thing I want you to see. There's three things the father does. He pursues, he preaches, and he provides. Pursues, preaches, and provides. Look, look, let's look at the first thing. The first thing that the father does is he pursues. But if you remember last week, we said the father never pursues the younger brother. Remember that? He waits. He doesn't pursue. So what's the difference? Why does the father pursue the elder brother but not the younger brother? Does he love one more than the other? No, no, here's why. The reason why the father has to pursue the elder brother is because if he doesn't, the elder brother is never coming home. Why would he? He doesn't think he left. The father has to go pursue him because if not, he would never come home. He would never do it. Guys, listen, the reason why God pursues us, the reason why God comes after us is because God knows our elder brother thinking. He knows how we think. And here's how we think. This is the lie that you and I believe every single day. Here's why the father has to pursue us, not just initially, but continually. Because the lie that we believe is, well, if, why do I need a resurrection if I'm not dead? Why do I need to be found if I'm not lost? Why do I need a physician if I'm not sick? Why do I need a father if I'm already his son? See, the reason why God has to pursue you is because if he didn't, you would never come back. You would just stay out in the front porch. You would just stay out in the front lawn. He has to pursue you. He, he has to come after you. The reason why the father pursues us is because the father never wants us to confuse proximity with intimacy. He, he never wants us to confuse religion with relationship. He never wants us to confuse fruit with faith. He never wants us to confuse a master with a father. He continually pursues us because if he didn't, we would never come home. Listen, listen. One of the things that we see in Scripture, it, it says in Scripture that, that nothing can separate us from the love of the father. 
But every time I've heard that, I don't know about you, but every time I've heard that, I've always thought of bad stuff. Always. You know, I, well, my, my, you know I, nothing can separate me from the love of the Father. So that means, my, that means my, my rebellion. And that means my sinfulness. And that means my waywardness. And that means my badness. But guess what? That nothing also includes all the good stuff. Religion can't keep you from the Father. Your righteousness can't keep you from the Father. Your goodness can't keep you from the Father. Your checklist can't keep you from the Father. Your self-salvation plan can't keep you from the Father. Because nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Amen? Think about this. Think about this. Here's what's so beautiful about the gospel. In light of God's law, we are all depraved. We are all broken. We are all dead. We are all sick. We are all orphans. But in light of God's love, if you place your faith in Jesus in light of God's love, we are all loved. We are all welcomed. We are all forgiven. We are all saved. And in the gospel, what's crazy is that what that means is we are all equally lost and equally loved at the same time. One of the reasons why elder brothers can't celebrate, one of the reasons why they can't celebrate, and this includes me, one of the reasons why we can't celebrate is we we can't celebrate life because we really haven't embraced death. We can't celebrate the good news because we really haven't embraced the bad news. We can't celebrate the delivery room because we really haven't embraced the morgue. We can't celebrate the solution because we really haven't embraced the problem. And because the problem isn't that bad, then the solution isn't that great. That's the issue. And that's why the Father pursues you. That's why the Father comes after you. But listen, the Father doesn't just pursue. He preaches. He pleads. It says in the text that he goes after the Son and he pleads with him. He's pleading, Son, come home. Come inside. Don't don't stay out here. He's preaching to him. He's pleading with him. Listen, the the reason why the father has to plead with him is, is if we're being honest, we don't really believe the gospel message. That's why elder brothers still exist in Christianity, because we actually don't believe the gospel. We believe in grace a lot, but not grace alone. And so he has to go out and plead with you because you don't actually believe it yet. Here's the thing. We have so, we've, we've grown so accustomed to the conditional world around us that when we come into the church, when we come to our father's house, we believe that his house is just as conditional as the world is. We, we've grown so accustomed to bottom lines and to scores and to stats and to GPAs and us getting measured by our performance that when we come to the father's house, we believe that he's just as conditional as everyone else is. And one of the things that happens with the elder brothers is, is, is when, when they think of God's face, this happens to me all the time. There's moments where I, I try to picture how God's looking at me, the face that God has. And almost always the face is one of disappointment. It's one of just discontent. It's one of anger. But, because my, but, the, but the problem is that, that, that if that's what I see, then I'm not really believing the gospel. And de- depending on what, fa- what faith you see will determine what faith you have. If you see God being disappointed, then your faith's not going to be in him. It's going to be in you. I got to get him to change his face. I got to get him happy again. I got to keep him from being disappointed with me. One of the things that the text says, it says that the, the, the son, he says, he says, your son is safe and sound. That, that word there, sound, in the Greek, has to do with his thinking. It, Paul later on used it to say that they were of sound mind. It, it literally means to have a right theology, a right view of God. He says, listen, your, your, your brother is safe and sound. Your brother has a good theology. What he's implying is that the elder brother has bad theology. See, one of the things that you would think is that elder brothers have a high view of the law. I would argue that elder brothers actually have a low view of the law. Here's why. Because they think they can keep it. 
The fact that you think you can keep the law of God is proof that you have a low view of the law. The prodigal has a higher view of the law than the elder brother does because he's giving up. He's like, I can't do it. Sound mind. Sound mind. Paul in Philippians, he, he, gets, he gets caught up on, on, on his past and his, his, his background. And, and Paul says, look, everything that used to matter to me, my religion, my resume, my accolades, I count it all but loss. In comparison to Christ Jesus, my Lord. He, he changes his mind. You have to change your mind. God, God doesn't want you to settle for slavery. He wants you to settle for sonship. He doesn't want you to settle for proximity. He wants you to settle for intimacy. He doesn't want you to settle for a religion. He wants you to settle for a relationship. Don't settle. You, we have an option here. There's an option here. The, 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 the story ends open-ended. Jesus never finishes the story. What are the Pharisees going to do? How are they going to react? You can either stand outside in your anger. You could stand in your anger or you can rest in his acceptance. You can stand in your pride or you can rest in his provision. You can stand in your works, plural, or you can stand in his work or rest in his work, singular. The only way to melt our pride, the, the only way to melt our, our anger, the only way to melt our, our entitlement, the only way to melt our envy, the only way to melt our religion is with the warmth of his love and of his grace and of his embrace and of his mercy and of his forgiveness. It's the only way to melt those things. It's by, by drawing close to him. One of the things I want you to see is that, that, that he, 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 the, the order here is very important. He, he says to the elder brother, he says, he calls him son. Then he says, you're always with me. And then he says, everything I have is yours. So he reminds him of his identity. He reminds him of intimacy. And then he reminds him of his inheritance. But his identity comes first. Listen, if you don't have the right identity, then you'll never have the right intimacy and you will never take advantage of your inheritance. Identity, intimacy, inheritance. And the last thing he does, and I'll conclude with this, is he provides. The Father provides. You know, one of the things that Jesus does by leaving the story open-ended, and if you look at, the, at Luke 15, there's two other parables that he tells before. There's a lot of similarities between the three parables, but there's one thing missing. There's one thing that's just not the same. In the other two parables, there's someone who goes out looking, searching. But in this parable, there really isn't someone searching. The father does it a little bit, but there isn't someone going out looking for the prodigal, for the lost thing. Well, according to Old Testament scholars, the person who was supposed to do it was the elder brother. The role of the elder brother in a situation like that was to be a mediator, to, to bring a gap between the father and the son in order to keep the family from being embarrassed, from being dishonored. But the elder brother in this story does none of that. He doesn't, not only does he not go looking for him, he's not even waiting for him. He doesn't even want to go into the feast. But the reason why Jesus tells this story is because he wants us to look for a different elder brother. This, this story, just like we said last week that, that, that there was a greater prodigal, there's also a greater elder brother. In, in Genesis chapter 3, God shows up to Cain and says, where's Abel? He says, am I my brother's keeper? And essentially, God's answer is yes. This brother, this elder brother wasn't his brother's keeper, but the greater elder brother was. And, and he went out, he traveled, not just out to the countryside, he went from heaven to earth. And he lived his life not with a resentful slavery, but with a joyful obedience. And he actually earned the inheritance. The, the son in this story doesn't deserve the inheritance. This son actually earned the inheritance. Everything that the father had was truly his. But instead of saying, it's mine, it's mine, at the cross, he said, it is finished, it is finished. This son comes out and he shares his inheritance. 
He takes off his robe. He, he is stripped of his robe so that we might be clothed. He takes off his ring so that we might become more than conquerors in the gospel. He's brought in. He's brought out so that we might be brought in. Jesus Christ is the greater elder brother. So get this, and elder brothers, you're going to be shocked by what I'm about to say. So what that means is, is that in some ways, I believe in salvation by works. But not your works. His works. It's not your resume, it's his resume. It's not your accolades, it's his accolades. It's not your credentials, it's his credentials. It's only after you embrace Jesus, get this, it's only after you embrace Jesus as a cardiologist that you can embrace him as an optometrist. See, once Jesus deals with the sin in your heart, then and only then can he remove the logs in your eye. What's beautiful about the gospel is that the gospel is for prodigals and elder brothers. For those who don't think they're good enough, the gospel lifts you up and honors you. And for those who don't think you're bad enough, the gospel lowers you and humbles you. Listen, to the degree that you see Jesus being the elder brother for you, to that same degree, it will kill the elder brother in you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you today, Lord, right now, I, I, I pray, God, I pray, I am begging you for the elder brothers in the room. Lord, like I said, there's only two types of elder brothers here right now. There's the elder brothers that are acting like Christians, and there's the Christians that are acting like elder brothers. Father, regardless of where these people are, I pray that today would be the day that they just accept your embrace. Unlike the prodigal, they don't have to come back. They just have to open their arms because you're already there. You're already pursuing them. You're already bringing them back in. Listen, if you're sitting here today, I would love to keep you keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you're sitting here today and you're an elder brother, one of the two types, I pray that today would be the day that you come back to the Father. That you would open up your arms because his arms are already open. That you would put down the stone that you're using to throw at others. That you would get off the ladder that you're trying to climb. And that you would go to the cross. It doesn't matter if you die in the field, in the distant land, or in the front porch. Don't ever, ever settle for proximity when you can have intimacy. During this song, we're going to have people here who would love to pray with you. And I pray that, that you would come up and regardless of which elder brother you are, that you would receive prayer for yourself today. That's my prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name.